I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And this week, ladies and gentlemen... We go back to some fundamentals. We hold hands as we emerge from the fog of COVID-19. And collectively, we look to build something. To emerge stronger, as I've labelled it over the course of the last year. Not to seek a return of how we were living pre-COVID, but to draw from the lessons and the bright spots of all of that forced change that we experience and build our own personal life in a new light. A part of the process might just be you deciding to take on a challenge, to actually train for something, to embrace the journey and go on a charge to challenge yourself, stay consistent and to achieve. Well, today we want to help you. We strip it all down to the fundamentals and the basics, a timely and important reminder of how you can find performance within your time-starved life. Don't just dive into a project. Instead, bring a performance lens. Do it right. For one time in your life, will you do something right? Goodness me. All of that is to come in today's show. But before we do, I want to hit up one of my favorite sections of the show, the section that is all about you guys. Yes, the folks, the Purple Patch team, the listeners. It is, ladies and gentlemen, ooh, the bleeding echo you. And this week, today, it's a quick one. And it's a quick one about my athlete, Rick Wimmer. Now, Rick is actually a former guest of this very show. In fact, I highly recommend that you go and listen to it. It's the AARP Anarchist, a wonderful discussion on maturing athletes with Rick and another Purple Patch athlete, Ken. It's both inspiring and insightful. I might even call it beautiful. All of the fools. We're going to leave that in the show notes for you so you can go and find it easily. But it's great and insightful. But that's not the point of this section and talking about Rick over this quick review. You see, this piece of the podcast is all about a story of a blind squirrel finding a nut. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it can happen even to someone like Rick. You won't believe it, you say. No, joking aside, that's the name of the workout, the blind squirrel. And I occasionally provide it to athletes as a path for insights, a little bit of education. And of course, it's a really good session to do on its own. And I recently gave the blind squirrel to Rick, and I want to tell you all about it. Here's how it goes. On week one, Rick was to run a really familiar loop close to his home. I wanted Rick to run about an hour, so choose a loop that was going to take him, give or take, about an hour, and it could be over variable terrain, little up, little down, some rollers, a little bit of flat, etc. Rick's task was to run at a consistent 7 out of 10 effort. In other words, at a moderate effort, but not breathless. Where are the metrics, you ask? Well, I'm coming to that. Rick could run this give or take 60-minute loop in the way that he usually would. No walk breaks except when the hills get very, very steep. And during the run, the ask is that he would run just by feel, not by tracking or looking at data. But over the course of the run, he would capture the heart rate the pace, and how long it would take, obviously. But he wasn't actively looking at the watch. He had to go by feel. A loop that is done many, many times before, give or take an hour in duration at a moderately strong effort, 7 out of 10. 
Well, here is Rick's report following that very run. Well, by the way, I can't do an American accent, so I'm not going to try. Well, this is a pretty damn good run. I run this route often, and other than walking up two big hills, I was able to run the entire way. Haven't been able to do that for a long time. Sounds like a pretty cappy camper, don't you think? Not bad for a 67-year-old. What I did is I went into his files and I logged the data, his time, his pace, his heart rate. Okay, that's blind squirrel. All sounds good. Now we come to week two. And in week two, I asked Rick to repeat the exact same loop and I wanted him to do it at the same perceived effort. No looking at data whatsoever. No heart rate, no pace. The mission was not to beat his time. The mission was to run at a 7 out of 10. Moderate, not breathless. What was the change? The change was in the prescription. I asked Rick to run on a repeating pattern. Run four and a half minutes consistently and then take a 30 second walk break. And you need to keep this pattern going all the way to the finish. And at the end, we're gonna see what speed penalty there was. How much longer would it take you? Here is Rick's report. Wow, by the way, as a coach, it's always good if you hear wow first, but wow, what a run. I'm starting to feel like old Rick. And on top of it, I just did the same loop as last week, but I took eight minutes off in total time. All of that over a five mile course. Felt good throughout and had substantially more energy at the end. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, funny that, eh? Adding walk breaks and going even faster? Yes, he ran well, felt better, and carried the courage to be pragmatic up front so that he prevented mechanical decline later. And so the next time that you think you're too tough to take walk breaks in your running, perhaps you think of our friend Rick. You see, in a game of endurance running in which mechanical fatigue is the biggest limiter, I ask you, isn't it better to deploy an approach that limits mechanical fatigue? Thanks for all your belief, Rick. And that is ooh the bleeding acky you. Now it is time for a squatty update. Well, folks, the squatty update and a lot of you guys are asking about races. Well, the good news, we have answers. In fact, let me get pretty specific for a couple to begin. Ironman 70.3 Chattanooga and Ironman Tulsa, a new race. Both cracking races. We're looking forward to them. And at Purple Patch, we are putting a special focus on both of these, just like we did for Ironman St. George 70.3 that went off with a bang last weekend. We are doing a complete course preview package, but also I'm going to be hosting a free pre-race webinar and Q&A session around these two events. So you can come listen to my advice, insights, and ultimately ask me anything around these two races. It's on May 11th, 5 p.m. Pacific, San Francisco time. Now, you might not be able to attend live. But if you head to the show notes and then you can register for the event and we'll send you the course preview. We'll give you a live access and also we'll send you a recording in case the live action doesn't quite work for you. And while I'm at it, let's go broader here. Another big one. In fact, I would label this a do not miss because in this year, the most unlikely of years, Many of you guys listening have busy, busy schedules of racing over the course of this fall. And so in a year like no other, and one in which I have been quite strong in my positioning that this is a massive, massive opportunity for you to shine, to create great personal performance, I think is your best bet to do it right. You see, we want to see you be a whole bunch of shiny, happy people. 
And so on May 25th, I'm also going to host another free webinar, and it's all about priming for late season racing. Coming off this last year of craziness, I promise you it's going to be a goodie. I will leave all the details of the May 25th event in the show notes as well, but I promise you it is well worth your time registering ahead of time because this is going to be a limited capacity session. Now, on next week's pod, I'm going to dive into some of the themes and focus on back-to-back racing. Many of you guys have some events very, very close together, so we thought we'd do a little bit of a deep dive. And I'm also going to touch on full racing globally because it's kind of time to get thinking and get cracking on that. But this May 25th, a big, big session. And so with no pressure at all, it's complimentary. You can just join. Feel free to share with your friends. But I do invite you to spend an hour with me. Come, shine, learn, and go and apply, hopefully. Just like the other webinar, you can register. And if you can't attend live, we will send you the recording all packaged up in a nice bow with some very, very cute purple patch branding. And finally, well, in that vein, a little note of encouragement. You see, with this year ahead of us, it's really exciting. I keep saying it, but I really believe that we can have some tremendous personal performances. But I would say, don't muddle through. Don't rely on hope because hope is not a strategy. And so I encourage you to treat yourself to actually doing things right. And if you want us to help, we're here. You can head to purplepatchfitness.com or reach out directly at info at purplepatchfitness.com and we'll navigate and help you create a path for yourself. You see, Purple Patch is a community of like-minded athletes and fitness enthusiasts. And the bond that holds all of us together is this desire to improve. No matter your level, that is the bond. Self-improvement. Everyone at Purple Patch is absolutely committed to achieve their goals but not at the expense of life. And so learn how you can optimize your journey. We don't want you to just succeed in sport, but we want you to thrive in a time-starved life. And we are here for you. And so folks, that is for this week, the Squatty Update. And now, Baza, it is that time. You need to shift gears. You need to remove yourself from the mindset of that deft camera work that you do on the video bike sessions for all the purple patch athletes. And instead, you need to get out the ukulele, your tunes. Give us a tune, Bazza. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Word of the Week. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary Word of the Week. Yes, the word of the week this week, guys. Well, it's suitable for the times. The word is accountability. One of my favorite words of coaching. It is an essential ingredient that all high performers embrace. They love a high degree of accountability. Hold to account for their actions, behaviors, and more. This is a central theme to many folks who thrive across all areas of sport and life. But it isn't always through the lens that you might think. You see, if I asked you to conjure up an image of accountability, most folks would come with thoughts of some overbearing coach or a teacher making sure that every action is being done well. If not, the student, well, the student should be admonished. They must allow course correction. And yes, this is a part of accountability, but it's also important for us to realize that a really powerful feeling of accountability can actually flow in the other direction, from the mentor to the student. Let me give you an example. When you begin your journey, training for something, anything, I encourage you to bring a friend or a peer along for that journey. Perhaps someone that's previously struggled with such endeavors and make a commitment together to see this journey through. Suddenly now your journey becomes a shared journey. And by you having a role of a mentor, a leader, a guide, I promise that you will feel immense accountability. 
to help your friend, to ensure that they show up, to ensure that you show up and follow through. You deliver the invitation, but you also commit. And now you are, in fact, tasked with showing up. Your accountability skyrockets just because of your leadership, you being putting yourself in a role of mentor. The result, well, likely it's going to be that you're going to stick with it. You're going to embrace the journey. And on top of it, your friend is going to thrive. Isn't that nice? It is why I preach that most people excel when they have a mentor, but they also have strong peer-to-peer support, and on top of that, take on a role of actually being a mentor. If you get those three layers nailed, and then your journey is going to yield reward, because you're going to have account. And that is why accountability is our word of the week. And with that in mind, now it is time. It is time for us to nail the basics, to establish the mindset, get together, and actually train for something. It is the meat and potatoes. Yes, the meat and potatoes. So you are going to take that giant leap. You're going for it. You've decided to train for something. Could be a 5K, a marathon, half marathon, sprint triathlon, an ultra, perhaps a hiking trip, a big European bike tour, an Ironman. It matters not what the event is. What matters is that you've got a stake in the ground, a goal, a marker, a quest. Have fun. And so now, coming off of today's show, let's ensure that you actually do it well. And that by going on the journey, you are positioned to not only achieve your goals, but also find success and so that you thrive across all aspects of life, your health, your productivity, your happiness, and more. So today, what we decided to do is set the stage. I thought it was important that we go back to basics. Yep, there is a purple patch saying nail the basics today. This is kind of a nail the basics podcast. And I should preface this, if you are already training for something, if you are already on a performance journey, listen up. Seriously, listen to this show because today's show is likely going to be very helpful. It's going to help you reground to reset the mindset a little bit and even course correct in case you've strayed away from your mission a little bit. And so with all that said, simply put, let's get cracking. The first thing we want to do is we want to set you up for success. That is the very first thing. Now, there are some important ingredients that are going to help you when you actually decide to train for something. And we could go on and on and on and on about these. So let's boil it down to some basics. I'm just going to dig into some of the most relevant, the most important, the non-negotiable things for me to go through today. Okay, number one. It's really important that you're clear with your purpose and goal. If you are training for something, the likely road ahead, and I need to warn you about this right now, the road ahead is going to include many ups and downs. It's going to be more than likely that you experience some setbacks, dips in motivation, periods when you actually feel like giving up. And the journey is the critical piece of this, of course. But you want to ensure that your journey is really going somewhere. There is a compass. And before you just register for an event or a goal, it's really important and helpful for you to understand your why. 
And once you understand your why, your purpose, really what you're looking to get out of it, then having specific markers such as the race itself or the challenge itself is going to become your beacon of light. When you inevitably, because everybody does, gets lost in the fog of setbacks or adversity. And so your event or goal, it should be a challenge because that's going to be the thing that provides the worth and the reward. But that also means in itself that the challenge is going to force you to experience setbacks, adversity. So a part of this puzzle as you're going forward is going to be course correction. It's going to be critical. So you must be clear on where you're going and what you want to achieve. So let's do that right up front. Why don't we take the stamp out, put it in the playbook, establish your purpose and your goal. That is your beacon of light. Good. Number two, as you start to train for something, it is incredibly important. And this is for all levels of athletes. I want you to remember this all the way down to couch potatoes, contemplators that wouldn't even necessarily apply or think identify as an athlete. Here's the key. You've signed up for something and it's a challenge. To start the journey, meet yourself where you are today. Meet yourself where you are today. What do I mean by this? Well, a lot of folks register for an event. Let's use running a marathon as an example. And they first think about what is it going to take to successfully complete or even be competitive in one of these things. And they start visualizing the destination, the destination that they believe their condition needs to be in, what their physical readiness needs to be. And then the big mistake happens. They go out and they look to accelerate to that condition as quickly as possible. Their first weeks of the journey are a charge to greatness. And very, very quickly, the program tends to become daunting, all-consuming, and too much to actually allow progression. And this classic mistake is why, centrally, why burnout and injuries are so, so common. Instead, it's important that you are ruthless with yourself. Ruthless in your objective assessment of where you are at right now. And you want to build your plan from that place and very cautiously and patiently develop mini victories that progress over time. Of course, if you buy into this concept, and I hope you do, but if you do, then you should also be equipped right now to take on my secondary or sub point to this. And that's that giving yourself more time on your journey, not just throwing up an event in four or six weeks time, but giving yourself many, many weeks or months to get ready. The more time you have to develop and train, the better it's going to be. Because ultimately, sustainable training, sustainable training that fits into life and fits into your ability to absorb it without having musculoskeletal breakdown, cardiovascular or hormonal breakdown, sustainable training that is consistently applied, that is what I would label a heroic effort. It's not the mega load crammed into the final month or two of preparation. That's just performance stupidity. Okay, so... Meet yourself where you're at, understand your purpose and the why. Third, you want to ensure that you build your team, your allies. What help do you need? Where are you going to achieve accountability, feedback? Who is going to hold you to account? How are you going to feel that? Any journey, I promise you, is going to be more successful if you feel like you are actually a part of something, where you feel engaged, where ultimately it's not just about you. If you can make it not just about you, even though you are your favorite person, it's going to be more successful. Now, I understand this thing that you're doing, the thing that you're training for, this journey, this is your journey. But with that, I promise you that there is nothing more powerful than sharing that journey. 
than traveling through the progression with others. And this is why we place such an emphasis on education, feedback, community, sharing the journey amongst coaches, athletes, and our squad. It makes it, frankly, more fun, but also more meaningful. Take stock and use this opportunity to share. Now, in addition to this, I would say, be really honest with yourself. Identify where you need help. Coaching, training, nutrition, strength. Where are the elements that you could do with health? Where it might benefit you. Now, I realize this, and it's very similar to purchasing a new home, and it is absolutely possible. I understand it is possible to completely remodel your own house, design, go through planning, choosing the tile, doing all of the plumbing, even the demolition, the whole rebuild. You can do that. But the vast majority of successful remodels include utilizing experts in the areas of your weakness or, in fact, supporting you in the elements so that you can optimize your strengths. And building your performance is really, really similar to that. And so the third overall point is build your team and allies. Get support where you need help or where you can benefit and become a part of something because it's going to make it more fun, more successful, and more sustainable. And finally, under this part of your equation, with your mission laid out, a successful start to the program lined up, and the fact that you have your tribe, your group, your coaches, your peers, you're a part of something, I must now add one more thing. This thing that you're doing, this training for an event thing, well, it has to, for you to be successful, it has to integrate and not dominate your life. It has to integrate into your life. It cannot dominate it. For you to be successful, this thing that you're doing cannot take center stage in your life. Your magic is going to come from sustainable training every single week and doing that by not allowing other areas of your life to fall by the wayside. You cannot be successful if you simply dump training on top of an already crowded schedule in life. Your plan, your recipe, in fact, is about integrating from the other side. I'll give you an example. Imagine if you decide to sign up for, to register for a half Ironman triathlon, and it's your first half Ironman triathlon. You're excited. You have finally bit the bullet. Money in, name on the start list. The very next question that people always ask, and it's understandable, is how many hours will I need to train for this? And you might even ask a friend who's got experience, who's done some of these. And that friend is likely to spout off a number. Oh, I know, it's 18 hours a week or bust, says know-it-all Larry. But know-it-all Larry is honestly just spouting his perspective from his experience. What he doesn't realize is it's actually just the wrong question to ask in the first place. Instead, you should be auditing your life. What are your typical life commitments, your work commitments? Where are you plugging in downtime, sleep, family? Get a really, really honest picture of your week, your life. And then, only after then, do you start to get an understanding of objectively, how many hours do I really have in a week to put aside to this thing for training? And it really takes an honest reflection. Let's just say, unlike, oh, it's 18 hours a bust, as know-it-all Larry says, that it comes out as 12 hours. Well, that's okay. It's 12 hours. Good. Now what you've got 
is an optimization challenge. Now you get busy trying to plan or get help in planning how you can be successful on your journey on somewhere between nine and 12 hours each week. Yeah, it is. It's just that. It's an optimization challenge. And I promise you, if you don't do this, if you just follow the advice of know-it-all Larry, and then I promise you problems will lay ahead. So will burnout and fatigue, by the way. In fact, if you follow the advice of know-it-all Larry, the best path for you is going to become, well, you're just going to get a label. You know what that label is? One and done Sally. Or insert your name there if your name isn't Sally. Sally, that one's for you. You see, it's not just going to be sustainable in life. And so part one of this, set yourself up. Let's review. You want to ensure that you are really clear with your purpose and goal. You meet yourself where you're at today. Try and give yourself as much time as you can to train. Build your team and allies to create some accountability, to create some belonging, to get support and expertise so that this can be really successful because it's really worth it to you. It's important. And finally, look to integrate. Your journey as a time-starved athlete is about integrating it into a busy life. So ultimately, actually, it becomes part of your life. It amplifies life. You become a better person, more healthy, more productive. It cannot dominate life. And if you remember those things, and then you're in a great starting place. But now in section two, let's talk about the plan. So imagine that you've signed up for a 5K or a half marathon, a marathon, whatever it might be. So your plan is, well, I guess all of the running sessions in a week, yeah? the number of sessions that you're going to do, how many miles you're going to do in each one of those sessions, perhaps some intervals that you're going to splash in there. Or perhaps you're deciding to do a triathlon. Okay, same concept. How many sessions, how many miles, but now it's a bit more complex. You've got to mix in swim, bike, run. That's your plan, right? Well, yeah, kind of, kind of. But the truth is that your plan or program is much, much more than that. For you to be successful, what you really want to dial in is your performance recipe. To establish a mindset to prioritize the elements that are going to combine to contribute to your performance readiness. And that's why I called it a recipe. Different ingredients that will combine to make the cake, your performance cake. And in this recipe, your training sessions in the predominant chosen activity that you're training for, that's a really, really important bullseye piece of this recipe, this puzzle. But in truth, I see the program, the plan, as being much, much more than that. You see, yes, it's the training sessions. Great. The endurance activity that you're doing. but the plan is then, in an equal playing field, integrated and consistent strength and conditioning, all supported by a platform of very, very simple but important habits in nutrition, fueling, and hydration, and on top of it, a backbone of great recovery, including sleep. So I want you to staple this on your heart. Tattoo it on your forehead. Carry your performance Bible around with you as this with the table of contents. It is, ladies and gentlemen, the four pillars. And the four pillars interact to actually pave your road to success. Endurance training, strength and conditioning, nutrition, and recovery. And when you get that recipe right, all buoyed by smart decisions, pragmatism, and confidence that comes with that athletic mindset that drives those four pillars, this is your plan. And it is, and I'll say this deliberately, it is the only way that over the long term you can be successful, remain pragmatic, and make smart decisions for yourself. Now, flowing from this, 
by you taking on a focus, a deep, meaningful belief at what this plan looks like, this recipe, endurance training, I'm going to commit to strength. I am actually going to prioritize sleep and recovery and give myself downtime if I need it and when I need it. And on top of it, I'm going to have a little bit of a focus around some really simple but important habits to make sure I'm getting good quality eating and enough calories and ensure that I'm hydrating, etc. And you start to blend that into a rhythm. When you have that focus, consistently over time, you create something. And that's the thing that is the elixir of great performance. It's a single word. It's consistency. Let's think about it. You choose an event, it's daunting. You have to train for it. There's the journey right there, training for the event. You know that you need to do structured and progressive, really specific training that is going to improve your fitness, your muscular resilience, your readiness to be successful. So you've thrown it out there, there's the event, I'm going on this journey and it's all about training. And that training is the very stimulus that is going to force or enable adaptations so that you get fitter, stronger, more powerful, more resilient. So if we buy into that, which of course you do, what we really mean here is that effective training is essentially, and I want you to listen to this carefully, effective training is essentially a very targeted and specific stress. And it's a stress that is applied to the body. And the body is then in a place that it can adapt in a positive way. It can achieve positive adaptations. Let me say that one more time. It's the application of a specific and targeted stress from which you will yield positive adaptations. Doesn't that sound dandy? Well, it is, of course. But have you ever stopped to consider that your life is already time-starved? very, very busy, and full, absolutely full to the brim of other stresses. Did you pause to realize that stress is something that can break things if we stress it too much? And this is where it becomes so, so important, because earlier I said place the stress and meet yourself where you are. So don't train like a Tour de France rider today if up to this point you've only been riding your bike to work two or three times a week. Instead, progress it and just start where you're at. And then from that stress that you are able to absorb, you can layer supporting habits that optimize the yield from the work that you do. And from there, you can achieve positive adaptations. So namely, consistent strength to build tissue, maintain or improve mobility, optimize the yield from the endurance work. Ensure that you have enough downtime in the week, sleep, recovery, to actually give space, time for your body to yield the adaptations. Because yes, in rest, that's where the body grows, gets stronger, achieves adaptations. And of course, at the same time, providing the body with enough nutrients, fluids, and substrates to allow adaptations and resilience. And so each of these pillars play an equal role in your journey. You don't get fitter just because you sleep really well. But equally, you don't get fast from training hard and ignoring the power of sleep and rest. And my list goes on and on and on. And so your journey is about finding and committing to your recipe. And this is your plan. The four pillars of your performance. Okay, sold, he says in the corner. Great, you're on my side. You've got your purpose, you've got your tribe, you've got the mindset, and now you know that to build your program, you can't just start throwing training sessions into the week. 
You've got to actually think about it pretty pragmatically, pretty evenly. You've got to lift heavy things for strength and your posture and your tissue. You've got to do consistent and very targeted training stress. But you have to enable the adaptations to occur by giving enough downtime, rest, recuperation, and sleep. And, of course, you need to fuel and hydrate the system so that those adaptations can flourish. And that is your recipe. Good. Now, section three, let's talk about the actual training week. And now we do get to get to talk about the endurance training plan a little bit, the actual sessions that you're doing. So I want to come back to the principles of training. Remember that what we talked about, a specific stress to achieve positive adaptations. We want to build resilience, fitness, power, strength. You get the picture. Well, your most effective training doesn't arrive out of mixing in a whole bunch of training sessions that end up all being moderately stressful. You know what that plan sounds like? Sounds like my old plan when I used to be a swimmer, where I was forced to go up and down, up and down, up and down, a whole bunch of hours, sometimes 27 hours a week of swimming in every single week, and most of them were pretty darn hard. And yeah, I got really, really fit but the actual performance yield from all of that hard work was relatively low. I was kind of, like many swimmers of the time, fit and fatigued. There is a simple, more effective, more pragmatic approach for you to take in your training. And it is especially important within the confines of a time-starved and unpredictable life. And so here we go. I want you to realize that while all training sessions carry value, not all training sessions are created equal. There are, in fact, a couple of tiers of training sessions. In fact, I could label three tiers, but I'm going to, for the sake of argument, split it just into two for simplicity's sake. So at the top level, think about it as your premium, your gold star, the first layer. You have your key or focused sessions around any block of work. Now, most people think in terms of week, so I will talk about it in terms of week. Let's say that you have your key sessions in each week. These are your performance drivers. They are these sessions that quite clearly are designed either through higher intensity or increasing duration or both. They deliver the stress, the big whack that, assuming that you have the rest of your ducks in row, you can adapt to, grow, get stronger, fitter, faster, more powerful. Now, typically in any given week, these big whacks of the stick, you're only going to have two or three of them that are really, really challenging, but they're important and they're important to identify. Goodness me, I need to get myself mentally and physically primed for these two or three episodes in the week. Those are your key sessions. The next tier down, very, very important still, are all the rest of the sessions. Those are, let's label them, your supporting sessions. And these are really important still, but they're more anchored around general conditioning, endurance, tissue resilience, in fact, a supporting workout might also be specifically designed for recovery to enable you to actually rejuvenate or to prep for an upcoming key workout. It may and typically does as well include some technical development so that you can actually become a better technician in the sport that you're doing. That's important in case you don't realize. Well, suddenly with this differentiation of training in any given week, you've got variety. The body loves variety or variance. And both of these tiers of workouts, they both have their role. The key sessions are the drivers, the drivers of your program. The supporting are just that. They're there to develop your resilience, your conditioning, recovery, technical aspects, and more. But with this differentiation in place, you are, hold your breath here, you are empowered. What do I mean? Well, for that, let's come to the final section. Let's talk about working the plan. You see, what you now have in any given week as you plot out your week is you have clarity 
into the performance driver of every single week. But on top of that, you have options and you have autonomy to manage any single block of training all amidst the chaos and unpredictability of a time-starved life. And you can do all of this without feeling like you're regressing or failing during your training. So I should explain. In any given week, typically, 99 times out of 100, it is your key sessions that you want to protect. They're the ones that you want to build integrity around. In fact, you build your week of training around them. And these are the sessions that you want to try and place in the part of the program or the week in which you can step up and perform because they are the big hits, the drivers. With the other sessions of the week that are still important, they still have a role. They're not just the Amazon filler of a package where you just throw it away. They all have their role, but the supporting sessions, these are the sessions that you should have a more dynamic mindset. In fact, you can throttle up or down dependent on your stress level that the rest of life stress has bring you in any given week. You see, if life ebbs a little bit, you end up having more time, more energy, and then you're free. You can hit all of the supporting sessions and even, yes, even sometimes add a little bit more training because your body and mind is in a place that they can absorb that work super. But what if life flows? You're met with logistics around the family, a deadline at work, really poor sleep for a few days on end. And then, then you must be pragmatic. You've got to come out of the weeds and think longer term. And with empowerment and autonomy, scale back the stress of those supporting sessions. Because remember, you want to achieve positive adaptations. It's not failure or weakness, it's pragmatism. And so you can reduce the number of sessions that you might do that are supporting. You maybe limit the duration of some of those sessions, or you remove or reduce some of the intensity in some of those sessions. And what that means when you layer on week after week after week is you might, just using a random case study, you might hit your regular 12 hours of training in a week. But the next week, you might have some crazy life commitments. And you might, instead of that week, you might just nail a really effective and important and progressive eight hours. Great. And then the next week, you hit another 12 hours. That's great. And then finally, come to the fourth week. And guess what? Your family are away. You've got some time off work and you nail it. You have capacity. And along with your partner, your coach, you build 15 hours and you absorb and you grow and you move on. And so it goes on. But every one of these weeks, whether it was 12 or 8 or 12 or 15, they are all built around the key sessions. And then what you've done is layered and throttled the supporting sessions. And you're able to do this and apply it within the context of what I would call the realities of life. And over many, many weeks, in fact, many, many months, your specific positive training accumulates. Eight hours, 12 hours, 11 hours, 13 hours, eight hours, six hours, that was a tough week, 10 hours, and on and on it goes. And all of the weeks are built around those key sessions, and after three months, suddenly you've nailed 140 hours of highly specific training that your body actually absorbed. And you pause and you look back and you say, goodness me, I'm actually really fit, but I'm still fresh. And that is much, much better than you listening to Know It or Larry and cramming 175 hours in our case study, but walking around in a state of lethargy and the fog of fatigue and presumptive burnout. You see, it's not, and this is important, it's not that less is more. Not my favorite saying that. It's not about less is more. It is in fact that you are seeking to accumulate more, but not more for the sake of more. Instead, you're seeking 
to accumulate more of the effective training that produces a positive yield. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that is performance development, all within the context of a really busy life. And that principle right there is what I want you to keep in mind as you build your journey. You train for something. And so, folks, the steps that you take, define your purpose, set the goal, recruit your team and go on the journey, ensure that you've got feedback, accountability, meaning, belonging, a dose of coaching and expertise so that you can stay on track. Then you audit your life. You gain a realistic picture of where you're at. You meet yourself where you are, and then you build and integrate a program around those four pillars. Yes, endurance, strength, nutrition, and recovery. And then get busy working the plan within context of life. And if you build consistency, then you build fitness, you build health, and you build vibrancy. And that, just as with a world-class athlete, that is how high performance arrives. It arrives off of a platform of great health and vibrancy. It's not about chasing outcomes. It's about you nailing the journey, building mental resilience, adaptability, and ensuring that you can stay on track. And so I wish you the very best of luck. Train for something. I promise you, it's worth it. And as ever, we're here to support. If you're feeling excited or you want us to help out more, reach us. We'll have a chat. Info at purplepatchfitness.com. Let my team know that I sent you from this show. But folks, until next time, stay in touch. I'd love to hear what you're training for. And until next time, stay healthy. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share with your friends and really go the extra mile. Head over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to follow, rate, and review the show. Your support and your reviews go a long way to increasing our visibility and exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life, but ultimately, just like me and you, thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to the episode resources and all of our programs can be found at purplepatchfitness.com. Cheers.